Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. We are in this Rooted series. Uh, hopefully you have enjoyed it. We have been just talking about how to ground our faith. Um, we started out uh, just talking about the fact that how important it is uh, to be rooted and that the word is the seed. And then we talked about how we need to ready our soil and, and submit and surrender to the things that God wants to do in our life. And so we're going to move right through with what we're talking about as it's our third part in this series of Rooted. And uh, uh, my assignment today is allowing the gardener to work. Allowing the gardener to work. You know, uh, the truth is that God wants to be involved in our life. He wants to be actively involved. He doesn't want to be just a figure or just a, a token or just a symbol that we hang up on our wall. Not more than just a what would Jesus do bracelet. But the reality is that God wants to be involved in our life. And the truth is we all have security in something. My hope is that we would be firmly planted in Christ, producing fruit and beginning to be life-giving. We want to be a life-giving church. Life proceeds out of life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if something is dying in you, then the reality is it may be some theology issue, but it's more of a relational issue. And if you'll get close to the life source, then here's what will happen is life will begin to come from you. You know what I'm saying? As you get close to life, life begins to move through you. Today, as we begin to talk a little bit, um, seeds are constantly being planted in our heart and mind. You can't watch TV. You can't do a co- commercials, hanging out with your friends. Seeds are always being planted. Seeds are being planted about our life, our uh, America, uh, the news. Uh, we, 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 seeds are always being planted. Who's going to be negative? How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? All the kids of today, all the price, inflation. Are we going to get a tax? Are we not going to get a, 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 a tax break? Are we and, and seeds are constantly, we're being bombarded constantly with seeds. And I just want to encourage you, make sure that the right ones are being planted. Today is the catalyst for tomorrow. Who you will be tomorrow will come from the seed of your thoughts that, you, that happened today. Today, you know, a lot of times we, we, we uh, want to, and, and especially us being a non-denominational, we, we believe that God moves. We believe that God heals. We believe that God, God we believe that God is more than just uh, a lesson that we learn. We believe that he, there's a relationship, a component to relationship in that. But, but I will tell you this, that sometimes here is where we err. We want everything immediate and we don't understand process. There is seed time and harvest. There is seed time and harvest. And sometimes there can be a, a miracle moment. Sometimes there can be a supernatural breakthrough. Sometimes there can be freedom. Sometimes, and, and we've all read stories, we've all seen that, that sometimes God moved Israel through a process. 
And he told them when they were about to enter the land that you can take it little by little. In other words, I'm not going to just all line you up, pray for you, touch your head and have it. There is going to be a process and you're going to take the land as you're able to take it. In other words, I'm going to fortify you. I'm going to build you. You're going to plant. You're going to have families. You're going to build societies. You're going to build armies. You're going to keep replenishing and you're going to take this land little by little. That's what the Bible says. And so how do we reconcile the difference between a supernatural, immediate God who in the Gospels, Jesus just showed up and, and, and turned the show, uh, I mean, turned it around. And people were doing funerals in the street and little girls were dead. And all of a sudden he walks in and says, no, nah, you're sleeping. And all of a sudden she, this girl gets up. How do we reconcile the, the supernatural component and the, the, the practical, I've got to live this every single day of my life. I've got to carry my cross. I've got to, to do every day well because the seeds that I'm sowing today impact my tomorrow. Yeah. And they get me there. There are two verses that I want us to look at real quick. John chapter 15, 1 and 2. And I, I would encourage you to go look at this whole verse. We don't have time just for the sake of time to read the whole thing, the whole chapter. But John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2 says that I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. You could say gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I, I, I want to talk and spend a lot of our time today on this because Jesus is teaching what it means to follow him. That every Christian should be producing good fruit. Now it's important for us to know that for us to flourish, there has to be some connection. If we went on to read the full chapter, it would talk about abiding and abiding in Christ. And today I want to talk about three important facts about the master gardener. Three important facts that I think will help us if we're going to stay rooted and stay grounded. The first is this, you're in good hands. You're in good hands. In this verse, we see that Jesus is the vine in other words, life is through him. And God is the vine dresser, the gardener, and he tends to the vine. He watches over the vine. He prunes and he manages the vine. Notice the type of word that Jesus uses to describe the vine dresser. He does not say, uh, um, he does not say master cutter. He does not say Edward Scissorhands. He does not say, he doesn't, he uses the term father. I'm going to describe what God does and I'm going to use Father so that you kind of understand God's approach to how He helps us. I know you'd be, be thinking, what Father? Uh, is this kind of like a Darth Vader? Haha, <laughs> Luke, I'm your Father. I'm about to cut off your hand. No, 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 no. It's not that type of Father. The Bible says that God is a loving Father and that He's a good Father. And when you think about a good Father, and it's very hard in our culture, and, and I'm not trying to... Here's the thing. Our culture in general is super sensitive about everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's super sensitive about everything. And so you, 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 you can't talk about marriage because um, there's someone who has had a really big wound in that area. And so here's the deal. In, in the church, there are now many things that we can't talk about because someone has been wounded in that area. But if we don't talk about things, then we'll never have a biblical perspective 
on how God sees it. You know, if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus started covering just topic after topic. You know, you say this, but blessed is he, and, and I'm, I'm walking, and he, and he talks about everything. Talks about life, talks about divorce, talks about marriage, talks about, begins to just open up and talk. And I think, I think sometimes we've got to be able to preach the word. And when we feel accused or offended, we've got to know that that is the enemy coming in trying to steal the word because as a people, we don't ever want anybody to ever talk about what wounded us. That's a way of we controlling the conversation. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Well, here's the thing. We are a group of people, and we have to disciple people, and so we have to talk about some things, but it's never, it's never with this heart we want to take our finger and stick it right in the wound and wiggle it around and have someone deal with it. That's never it. That's always the enemy. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. But we are trying to build young families and families and, and parents. And, 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 we, and we have to talk about some things because we're raising our family in a world that people just can't get along. And so if there is no truth, how... how and here's the worst thing, is that we can get frustrated about the independents, the Democrats, and the Republicans, but we see the same thing in churches. You know what I'm saying? One thing happens, and I'm, I'm taking my tithe, I'm out, buddy, I'm, I'm gone. You don't know about me. I'm grown. And I understand that. But, but I think a lot of times we've got to be very, very careful that we are not isolated we are connected to the vine. We are connected to Jesus. And we are trying to abide in him. And there are a lot of, of branches. There are a lot of branches in this vine. And there are a lot of people who do ministry different than we do it. And there's a lot of people, but here's the deal. We're not enemies to them. We're connected to the vine. And everybody's got a different calling and a different mantle and a different way that they interpret Scripture. And I'm not talking about rewriting Scripture. I'm not, I'm, obviously, it's truth, and it needs to be more. Um, uh, it doesn't need a, a lot of interpretation. It just needs application. But, but here's the thing I want you to see is that you're in good hands. When you think about a loving father, a loving father, there should be shown personal investment. A loving father should show personal investment. For every dad in the room, I want to challenge you. I know it's not Father's Day, but the reality is we see that Jesus begins to talk about the, the function of the vine dresser and how he functions, and he talks about he's like a father. Well, if you say that in America, okay, great, he's going to leave. He's like a father. Okay, okay, great. He gets mad all the time and blows up and, and totally controls the family by his anger. He's like a father. Oh, oh, like, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. He's a good father. And let me just talk to all the fathers in this room real quick just because I'm talking about fathers. And I'm going to give three things that good fathers are and the devil will come in and say, well, <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Is that families... Are not, don't stay together because of perfection. Yeah. They stay together because of humility. They stay together because of humility. There are a thousand times that I've blown it and been wrong, and I just come up and tell my boys, I'm, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I just tell my kids, I'm sorry. Dad, Dad blew it. Will you forgive me? And we, and we pray or we get over it and we whatever and, 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 and they blow it and I blow it and we all blow it and my, my wife blows it less but she does sometimes and I keep record. But the reality is um, um, God, God is involved and he has personal investment in you. In you he cares about you he cares about what you're going through he is not distant he is not distracted he is not he is not where well I created all of it and now I'm gonna back off and let you just kind of figure it out yourself God is involved there is a personal investment he watches over the vine the second thing is that a good father shows preparation you know the reality is that we are getting our kids ready for where they're going to go God wants to get you ready for where you're going to go. Do you know that God can see the potential in you? And here's the thing. That's why the enemy lies to us so much and tries to wound us early so that we never step into who God has created us to be. But God is trying to line you up so that you can bear much fruit and, and you can be prepared to be all that you've been called to be. A good father shows protection. Protection. Come on, where are you going? What you doing? Who was that? Oh, it's my life. Baby, I'm protecting. There's wolves everywhere. Who was it? You know, I mean, the reality is that that's what good. And so God is a good father. He wants personal investment in your life. He wants to prepare you for where you're going. And he wants to protect you from the onslaught of the enemy. Jesus was saying that the good father, father is involved. And we see a glimpse even from what David wrote in Psalms 139, verse 1 through 5. It says, it says this, let's look at this. Psalms 139, verse 1 through 5. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my laying down. You acquire you are acquainted with my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and you lay you and you've laid your hand upon me. Here's what I want to say is that David knew something about God, that he was not distant, that he was not just um, uh, maybe a figurehead or some, some, some outward force that we have to kind of figure out that God was wanting to be involved in his daily life. In other words, this verse was saying, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm thinking. You know how I'm walking. You know what I'm saying. And you're present in my life. You're present in my life. Can I tell you there's nobody like God? There's nobody like God. You know, when we uh, went through this thing with, with one of my uh, daughter's meningitis, we had to go to Arkansas Children's Hospital. And, um, and this whole thing has been going on about four weeks. And I remember being around the doctors and them telling us, hey, you know, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to go into the surgery. You're going to have to do this. You're gonna, I mean, and it was overwhelming. It was like, because Katie and I had very little understanding and they had so much expertise and, and, and understanding. And it was like, now I feel like we're at the mercy. We had lost control. Anybody ever feel in a, in a moment where you lose control? I know that probably nobody here wants control, but... Um, 
But the reality is we were totally out of our league. These doctors had experience. They had been uh, practicing medicine for years. They had seen different cases. They had had different studies. And we are sitting over there, and they're like, hey, so what do you want to do? But we should do this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, I have no idea. What do you want to do? And I would begin to talk to some people. And, and, and as I reached out and kind of began to talk to different people, everyone who I talked to at this moment said, you're in the best place. That is a really good doctor. We saw him. And, and before we knew it, we had realized that we were in really, really good hands. Can I tell you that you were really in really good hands with God driving the car? And you're not in good hands when you take over the will. Because here's the deal. We're led by our past. We're led by our background. We're led by assumptions. We're led by, does that make sense? We're led by our feelings. We're led by a lot. That's why we got to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How can I grow? How can I submit to you? I'm in your hands. Now, that, now the, the weird thing about this is we tend to look at everything as like on a linear line. So we think, okay, is God controlled or are we in control? Is, is it all God or is it all us? And the reality is this, that God is watching over his creation. He's watching over it. And he has a master plan. Don't, don't think about it. He has a master plan. But in that master plan, we have free will. We have free will. And I know that, it, that that is the hardest thing for people to deal with in, in church because we don't want God to get us, but we sure want God to get everybody else. I mean, when we, when we blow it, come on, we don't want God, grace, mercy. We, you, know, you know my heart. But when someone gets us or hurts us or wounds us, well, God, where were you? I just can't believe. Go on, sick them. Sick them. God watches over the seed. He never wants to hurt you. He's always working on producing something in your life. You're in good hands with the Lord. The second thing is this. He removes and prunes. And I'm probably not going to get a lot of amens on this part. But the reality is we need it even though we don't want it. No one is like, sign me up for some pruning. Cut away all the bad stuff. I'm ready. No, 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 nobody wants that. But the reality is it will help mature, develop, and unleash the things that God wants to do in your life. You know, Tia is, is taking these shots in her stomach for the blood thinner that she's on. And she, she hates it. She hates it. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm just telling she's done. And so the, the thing is that I, I, I have to keep reminding her that you don't have an option. If you want a long, healthy life, mom and dad have dreams for you. We got things we want to see you do. If you want to step into all that you're supposed to do, you're going to have to get this little shot. I don't want to tell you. There's not an option. I know you're scared. I know you're wondering what's going to happen. I know all that. But the reality is we got to go through this because this isn't our last day. Yeah. Come on. There are some times that God's been working on, on things in our life, and we're just going to have to let him have it. We're just going to have, come on, our mouth. Come on. I know that's not anybody here. 
you say things and you're just like, why did I say all Oh, usually I'm so good, but today was not that day. You know, or an action or, 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 or a feeling or a moment. And all of a sudden, here's the thing. God wants you to resist and just let him Take that stuff from your life. Do you know when you get frustrated, stressed, anger, it reveals more about you than it does about the situation or whatever you're mad about? Come on. When you, when you squeeze an orange, you always get the juice. Here's my question. What, what kind of juice is coming out this last week? Come on, you got cut off by that truck. Was, the, was it the juice of the Lord? Bless you. Or was it the other juice? <laughs> He's sorry, no good, I'm going 70 miles. I was wrong with you. Come on. Come on. See, because here's the thing is those things they they hinder us. They keep us trapped and they keep us in bondage. And, and we gotta grow. We gotta grow past the, this, this insecurity. We gotta let God touch it and heal it. And I'm, well, I'm not saying that there may, there may be always a certain level of, of insecurity, sin, all these things that we have to go to God to deal with. But I'm telling you, they don't have to have you. They don't have to have you. We got way too many Christians living in fear. Way too many Christians living in spirit. Way too many Christians wondering what people are thinking about them. Way too many people who are looking to the left and right and have to keep up with the Joneses. Way too many people. Come on, come on. Well, let me prune some of this out of your life because you're more focused on what you don't have than what I want to do in your life. Let me move you. The reality is he removes and he prunes. Hebrews 4, uh, 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. When we apply the word, I'm not telling you that God's going to come up and start cutting on you. But here's what we should do. When we get close to the Lord, here's what should happen. We should want and have a desire to get into this word because the Bible says that this is a mirror and it tells us what we look like. And so our standard is not our family. Whoo! We're the good ones. Whoo! You know what I'm saying? Our standard is not our church. Our standard is not our life group. Our standard is not our peer group. Our standard is the word. And so we hold it up and we go, ah, I don't want to look like that. We're not talking about salvation. Don't get it twisted. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift. We're talking about producing fruit. And if you want to produce fruit there and, and leave a legacy and leave something in your life and develop more people and give all of your experiences and allow God to take all of those painful, hurtful moments in your life and, and, and use them to help lift somebody else up in their life, then you're going to have to allow the Word to help heal some broken areas of your life. You know, a couple months ago, uh, my son and wife thought it would be great to plant watermelon and cantaloupes in the front of uh, our house, in the shrubs. 
and, and, and so these vines went everywhere. And so I know you're thinking the whole John verse, you know, I am the vine, he is the vine dresser. But, but maybe m many of you are not farmers. And so you're like, okay. And so the, the last thing you can remember about a vine is maybe on your grandparents' land or when you look through like National Geographics when you were like eight. But the reality is uh, these vines started going everywhere. They upped the wall to, into the lawn. I mean, it, it, was, it was terrible. It was like, you know, I, I don't, it, it was very embarrassing. And so finally I walk in one day and I was like, we're out of control. We're out of control. We need to have a family meeting. I... Vines are everywhere, okay? Which, like, people are driving welcome to the jungle. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, we, we're going to have to change some things. And so my wife was like, oh, we're just growing watermelons. And I was like, in a suburb, in the front, it's overtaking the walkway. Let's be, we're creative people. Where can we go farm, but we're no longer farming in our front yard? <laughs> and I started looking at all these, and, and Trevor grew some great cantaloupes and watermelons, and, and we ate them, and they were so excited. And, but, but there were so many vines that didn't produce, but they were everywhere. They were everywhere, and, and it, was, it was messy. And so, I mean, obviously, I wasn't giving my life to be some vine dresser. I was just like, let's rip them up. But, but as I began to look, obviously the verse went in me, and I started to think about the fact there are so many useless vines that aren't producing anything, and they feel like because they're a part, come on, that they're actually producing. And so there was so much that I got rid of, but really out of this huge plant, and, and I, I know preachers tend to, like the fish was that big, but really it was a lot. We had two watermelon, two cantaloupe, and a nasty cucumber. <laughs> and a full lawn of vines. You would have thought that we were going to be supplying Walmart. I'm just saying, you, you would have thought if something happens here in northwest Arkansas, you know what I'm saying, these guys are going to be coming to the Sexton household. Can you give us, we need some quantity. But four, four out of the massive weed vine up the wall, four. And I, and I begin to look at this, and, I, and here's the thing, there's a reason why um, uh, Jesus used the vine. He was talking about a grapevine, and, and a grapevine was, was more an Old Testament thought because Israel was, was a, a type and shadow of the grapevine. And, 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 and it talks about that in Psalms 80, which we don't have time to go there, but the reality is that God was talking about how he transitioned the children of Israel because in that day and time, uh, everybody knew about grapes and, 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 and that was an industry there. It was in their economy. I mean, they knew about it. So for us, uh, it, it's basically this. Um, God is the coach. Jesus is the quarterback. Go try to run a play, doing it your own, and you'll never score. Does that make sense? That, that, this is the concept. You cannot be on a team and break the huddle 
and the coach is calling, double something to the right, and you go totally different and think, I'm open! You got to follow the play. And, and, and there's a quarterback that gives the, the play that's going to get us in a position to score. And there's a coach that looks at our movements and says, I don't know if that's going to get you where you want to be. I don't know if that, you're not in the right place there. You know, defensively, you know, you know what, you're not in a position there. That attitude, that thought, that struggle, that addiction, that brokenness, that's not going to get you in a position to really score. Because here's the thing, is that anything that we don't break off of our life, our kids will have to deal with it. Now, our kids are going to have to deal with stuff. But we, as legacy people, as people who are growing, young college students, I know you think, man, I got my whole life ahead, but you need to get whole now. You need, don't wait. Don't wait to be whole. Get whole now. Because here's the deal if you're whole now, you will attract someone who is whole. I talked to a guy yesterday. And I, I, we were just talking, he's 23 years old, and I was like, hey, we were at a football game, and I was like, we, we met a couple times, and I said, hey, so, me, you dating anybody? And he's like, oh, no, I, I always get the crazies. And, uh, and we laughed, and I joked, and, I, and here's what I thought. I thought, the same emotional intelligence and spiritual um, connection. The Bible says that like always attracts like. If you want better, you got to allow God come in here, come on, and change some things from within because there is so many awesome opportunities for your life as you get whole. Let me, let me talk about pruning real quick. Many people think it's painful. And you know what I'm not talking about? There may be a, a, a momentary pain of trying to kick a habit or breaking something or sacrificing something or dealing with a hidden sin. But God is not a hard God. He's not a hard God and He wants to move you into freedom. He wants to move you in freedom. And it's productive. And here's the thing, it's productive. I was talking to an educator the other day, and we were talking about school and our school systems, and it was amazing how much money we spend on education in America to be as low as we are. It's amazing. And we were just talking about the concept of the idea of throwing more money into something that has not seen incremental results. God will never prune you and it not work out for you. He won't. God wants to do something in your life. And he, want, he wants to free you. Because here's the deal. The goal is that we have heaven here. Here. We're training. We're in training ground. You're not going to go to heaven and jump on a harp. You're not going to float on a cloud with a little cloth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 
There is a different life for a family that is grounded in Christ and doing their best to try to say, God, move through me and use me. Our sin, our weaknesses, our strengths, God will prune those back so that He can position us to where we need to be. The last thing is this. It is His heart that you flourish. It is His heart that you flourish. You know, Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you always and will satisfy your needs in a scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be watered, well-watered garden like those in the spring. Here, here's what I want, want to say about this. Church, when I grew up, I had a lot planted in my heart. And in just in a moment of, of uh, just being authentic with you, I had pride and rejection and loneliness and brokenness. I remember going to school desperately wanting people to like me and accept me and, and love me. I, I, I remember, and maybe you didn't have any of this. Maybe you were always the cool kid in school, but I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. You know, it, it, I remember feeling totally inadequate all the time. And, and, and my parents spend adoption the best you could. They believed it was a gift, it was great, but, but silently in my mind, where's my mom? You know, I had a sister I, I've never met. All of the questions were going on in my mind. I was grateful I was adopted. But at seven years old, I remember my parents divorcing. And, and, and now the sad thing is we, we've made divorce so common that everybody's like, well, I'll get over it. You can look at the statistics. I remember crying and, 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 and I remember going to school and, and just needing some attention from a man. Just somebody that would look at me and tell me, you're going to make it. I was broken. I had all these things planted. And I, and I went to the first person who would accept me. And, the, and they hear this young man uh, is four or five years older than me. And he says, oh man, real men do this. And shows me a, a, a magazine with naked pictures in it. This is what real men do. Okay. Then another fell in love with a, a pastor who changed my life and had to leave, had an affair. And I just remember one scar after, you know, another just being broke. And, and the one thing I learned is you, you don't trust anybody. Don't, do not, come on, never let them see you sweat. But here's what was happening. It was something was growing in me that was hindering who God had called me to be. And it wasn't until I became in a place where I could no longer go on. I could no longer go on the way I was. I was lonely, surrounded by people. It's amazing. I don't know if you've done much uh, uh, study, but isn't it amazing that in our culture of young people, depression is bigger than it's ever been? You know why? Because a phone can't hug you. 
I could talk about this all day. I'm just not. But anyway. <laughs> I was broken. A man of the house of seven. My mom was so under pressure that she had to move into a mental um, hospital. And I had to move in with my aunt. I mean, we all have stories. I'm not asking. I don't want your pity. I'm just telling you that again and again, wounded and broken, wounded and broken, wounded and broken. And if you don't deal with that wounded and broken, you're going to stay wounded and broken. If you don't deal with it, and you're going to have to deal with it. And here's the deal. You cannot deal with it like a transaction when you go to the bank. Okay, I'm going to give you this, you're going to give me this, and we're good. Because if it's deep, it'll be emotional. If it's deep, it'll be a transaction. And here's the thing. This is why we don't judge people. Because we don't know everybody's road. We don't know everybody's road. But here's what I can tell you your road consists of. Is that God has great things for you. There was a poem that I saw and I want to read it to you and then we're going to end. The poem is called uh, Tomorrow I Flourish. And here it is. is Today I give up the ground my past grows in, the pain of my brokenness that has left only weeds, the lies that have trapped my potential. Um, today I grow up. I, I, the seeds you've planted in me, the new life free from my imperfections, the hope moving in me overcomes what has, been, what has buried me. Today I lift my gaze up. The potential I see conquers my current reality. Our relationship is my focus. The joy of what is coming silences my fear. Today I allow God to move because tomorrow I flourish. God is into transformation. And if you will let him, he will take you broken, wounded and lonely and he will put something in you that will change your life i believe the holy spirit will be activated in your life and all of a sudden there will be a joy that is not based on an outside circumstance we got to be a rooted church and we got to be grounded Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the